Well, uh, allow me to welcome you all to Enterprise. Your uh, new uniform is very yellow. Oh, it's gold, technically, because I'm uh, <laughs> a captain. So. Well, on behalf of Majalis, we thank you for your help. everyone and welcome back to Deep Space Love, the podcast where husband and wife team of Trekkies explore love and romance throughout the final frontier. I'm one of your hosts, Nicole. I'm one of your other hosts, Joe. And today we're going to be doing some another episode of some new Trek. So we're really excited about that. Um, how are you doing today, Joe? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I, I don't know if our audience knows that we're uh, we're actually podcasting on the floor right now. We they didn't until you told them. Yeah, now they know. So uh, I don't know if there's any any audible dif- differences, but yeah, we're we're sitting on our little uh, coffee table here with everything set up and sitting on the floor. It's kind of cozy. Yeah. So with the new house, we have carpet now, and we did not have carpet at our old house before we moved. So we're just living up the carpet life, I guess. Living the carpet life, huh? I still do prefer a good hardwood floor, but this is the den area where we watch. Shows and TV and got a nice big new couch in the new space. And so the carpet makes it feel a bit cozy, I will admit. Yeah. And thanks for the little audio uh, tour of our den. (laughs) I'm sure everyone was dying to know. Yeah. It's the number one question I get on Twitter. I don't think we get any questions on Twitter. Well, (laughs) yeah, I have nothing to say to that. (laughs) Um, So before we get into today's episode, we're going to... Keep going with our one of our favorite segments, new favorite segments, <laughs> Trek Check. New, new favorite segments? What was the old favorite segment? <laughs> I don't know. Do we have other segments? Well, just the main. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have segments, everybody. Yeah. This is a segment <laughs> of the show I like to call the Trek Check. Computer status report. What the hell was that? We both call it Trek Check. That's true. We do both call it that. I think everyone calls it that. Anyway, Trek Check is where we go through uh, a few news uh, news items, updates in the Star Trek world, and discuss our thoughts on them. That could be any anything from new show announcements, new comics, new games, or just our thoughts on the current running season of whatever's airing. So, uh, I will. I have a list of a few Trek Check items today, Nicole, and I'm going to share them with you, and you are going to give me some of your thoughts. Are you ready? Wow, I was really demanding, but okay, I'm ready. I'm a little demanding today. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so uh, we got a couple exciting announcements for the upcoming series. We've got uh, a new Picard trailer for season three that dropped. Um, and it, the show is set to air in February of 2023. So really not that far off. And um, there was an interview with the showrunner, Terry uh, Matales, where he said, and I quote, um, it's kind of a whole new show. So, one, what do you think of the trailer and what do you think of that uh, kind of cryptic announcement? Well, I mean, who can't be excited about basically the reunion of the gang, I guess, minus Data. Um, and well, Brent is there. Yes. Yes. True. Um, and so that's really exciting. Um, yeah, it, I guess it makes the show feel a bit disjointed thinking about where it started in season one what we kind of went through in season two and then now what we're going to be doing in season three. Um, it definitely seems just sort of like a final victory lap for TNG, which I have no problem with. Um, and I'm very excited to see where all of our favorite characters, especially um, Beverly. I'm excited to see what Beverly's been up to um, among and Jordy, basically all of them really. Worf. And Worf. Yes. Everyone we haven't seen yet. Um, Oh, what was the other part of the question you asked? Oh, that cryptic, a whole new show. Um, well, I guess I already answered that. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like every season of Picard is kind of a new show. So, um, you know, it definitely seems like the new cast um, that we kind of kind of developed in seasons one and two. Um, some of them, it seems like, are going to be there, but they're definitely 
not the center stage anymore, it seems like. I don't know. It's hard to tell from the trailer. They really want to, like, bring up the, pull on the nostalgia heartstrings, I guess, and uh, pull people in, and I have no problem with that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of forgot we had watched that trailer, and so I didn't really collect a whole lot of thoughts prior to starting this episode. So you're getting really just fresh off the top of my cranium here. Raw, if you will. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm pretty excited. It's um, it, it, the whole series is very disjointed, and it's definitely. I mean, go ba- for y'all listening. Go back to the previous episode we dropped, and and you can hear our thoughts on season two. So we have a lot of thoughts. It's it's uneven to say the least, but I'm excited. I I, I think that the parts that of season two where, um, the current showrunner was most involved, it seemed like he kind of took a step back to start on season three at some point towards the end. I think the parts he was mostly involved in were some of the best parts of the season. So I have some confidence in what he's able to bring us. I'm hoping that's going to be, um, I'm hoping it's going to be exciting. If at the very least, it will be a spectacle. Oh my gosh. I just remember that Denise Crosby is probably supposed to be back too, right? That's a pretty exciting. That's yeah. She mentioned amazing. that she's involved in some capacity. So I'm very intrigued to see that. And there's some like messaging on like who the sort of antagonist is, someone that we recognize, not necessarily through the Trek world, but somebody of some sort of name. So I'm excited to see all these things and how they come to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very excited. Um, but. I think maybe a little sad to see, you know, at the end of season two, we were a little sad to see, you know, the end of Rios and some of the other gang um, time on the show. So, but uh, another announcement we got from, uh, I believe that was from from the Star Trek day a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Star Trek Prodigy returns October 27th. And we have two new uh, YA Prodigy books dropping in January. So I know that you shared that you liked Prodigy so far, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Are you excited for uh, more of that show? Absolutely. And I'm very excited that it's we're not going to have... We kind of had a, a wait between... Um, was it the end of Picard season two and then Lower Decks? We didn't really have... Yeah, a bit of a wait. It was a bit of a wait. They're just rude on Paramount Plus's part. <laughs> How right? dare you? I mean, they were dropping stuff pretty like regularly and then they were... were so like, entitled. Went through years without Star Trek and they're like, wait, months? Two months? Yeah, but I have to no. subscribe now. It's not just on true, network true, TV. True, true, true. So yeah, we paid for Paramount Plus for like I don't know, what, two, three months without any Star Trek to show for it. A few other shows, right? What else do we watch on Paramount Plus? Um, Players. I don't. I only said that for Khalid, who's listening. <laughs> um. Anyway, whatever, it's fine. I'm really glad it's going to um, come on right after Lower Decks um, is done with their latest season. And um, there's a lot to wrap up in Prodigy. There's a lot of loose threads hanging that I want tied up. Yeah, agreed. And I'm excited for the I'm kind of excited for the books. I know they're going to be uh, like on the YA side of things, but I'm excited to maybe put those in my classroom, too. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And on on uh, on that same note, uh, speaking of Lower Decks, we're about through episode six of season three of Lower Decks as of this recording. How are you feeling about the new season? Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. They were just at Deep Space Nine. That was exciting. Oh my God. So spoilers if you haven't listened to it. Yeah, but yeah, sorry. Deep Space. I mean, that was in the promos. But yeah, seeing Deep Space Nine, yeah. seeing some familiar faces, some familiar characters and voices. some familiar voices mm-hmm. was just, oh, man. And then and, but the plot even too, like it wasn't just wrapped up in nostalgia entirely. No, like they had some great just like original moments in it. It was easily a highlight of the season which i think has been a really strong season overall too it was a great tendy episode yeah tendy i think they've been doing a better job in this season about giving tendy and rutherford more of the spotlight too agreed so i've I've been i enjoyed that episode this this the season's been solid yeah everyone's had a little bit of something had a little bit of something to do meaningfully you know exactly yeah um, another piece of news that we got that I thought was kind of interesting is we have an announcement of a new uh, Star Trek podcast series. So the title of which is Star Trek Con City Alpha 5, which is said to be a scripted podcast which will examine what happened in the years after Captain Kirk left Khan on the untamed world of City Alpha 5 and tells the story of Khan and his followers prior to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I said Khan a lot there, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, interesting. And so, it, so there was there was rumblings a while back, years ago, that Nicholas Meyer wanted to bring like a con mini series to Paramount Plus, and I think it was a it was it was given like mixed reactions. People weren't like all about the idea of just a con show, um, but it seems like he's finally getting his the idea that's in his head off uh, out of his head and onto paper or into the audio world through a podcast, a scripted podcast. So you could go listen to the kind of like audio drama st- style. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's great to have, you know, 
I mean, Trek has already been branched out into, you know, the uh, world of books and literature and to have um, sort of more of a, have it be on like a, a yeah, a podcast or, you know, listening or audio only format is going to be uh, something new and will be, right? I mean, I don't know if that's been done before. I mean, I know like uh, a like lot a- of Doctor Who has been done just to kind of like look at another franchise. I know they've done a lot of audio drama um dramatizations um and extensions of the universe and stories so um i think this is trek's first foray into that am i right it kind of is in a sense they have an audio drama that seven and rafi won oh but yeah that's not, that wasn't like a podcast so that was like mm-hmm. uh like a, you had to buy it and so like this is going to be like a weekly scripted podcast that i believe you should get you should be able to just subscribe to so i'm curious what voices they'll get for and it should i mean ricardo montalban is no longer with us unfortunately mm-hmm. so I, I don't know who they're going to get to to do all that benedict <laughs> maybe <laughs> probably not. maybe i don't know that would be wild that would be interesting interesting choice uh i mean would that even would be... work with the universes i don't know i don't know, know. I don't know. <laughs> just the whole universe would just collapse yeah both of them I yep don't know. yep <laughs> cool so, cool stuff yeah that, i think that'll be interesting i think it's a it's a good way it's a good outlet for that i, I wasn't really excited about the concept of a con show but i think i get behind a podcast so um, I have two other items here real quick for you. The other oh one gosh. that just ca- just recent news was uh, the big news that's in the headlines is they say Star Trek four director, but it's really Star Trek 14. The movie Does it, bug you? Uh, it bugs me a lot. Um, the director, <laughs> uh, Matt, uh, Matt Shakeman or Shockman. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, so, so sorry, Matt um, has left the project. And then Paramount has actually officially taken the project off their calendar, their release calendar. So uh, Matt, uh, Matt Shockman follows, of course, Quentin Tarantino, S.J. Clarkson, Noah Hawley as people who were signed up to re- direct and ultimately left the project. So it's the fourth person to leave uh, the Kelvinverse movies. Do you think the franchise is done in that regard or do you think we'll see it again someday? <clears throat> OK, so is it I mean, are these I guess it depends on like what's happening, like and like what's happening behind the scenes there? Is it like. The directors are being hired and then they're pitching like ideas or I, I don't know if there's already like a storyboard like written out or like, the, the director's like, this is what a direction I want to take. And the studio is like, no, <laughs> or, you know, the studio setting these certain parameters or. I- Looks like the directors have been leaving on their own. OK, I didn't really realize that. So um, I don't know. It makes you wonder what kind of story is set up, I guess. I don't know if like the directors keep wanting to walk away from it or they don't get any a lot of as much creative freedom that they want or i don't know if you have any more that would depend i guess we don't know a whole lot i feel like it just doesn't really bode well for the future of the the calvin movies because like the actors seem like they all want to be part of it again but then they're also just like well i have no idea what's going on so like there that doesn't really for someone like chris pine for example who seems to have a pretty busy schedule now like someone seems to want to do it he says he'd be interested but then you know you got to nail that down right yeah so I, I guess, well, I mean, I guess the more directors that turn away from it, the less likely we are to get something. But I don't know. I would never say never. I would never say never. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see it again in some capacity. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? But... I want to go back to the Calvin verse. Yeah. Lastly, I just wanted to give uh, a kind of a special shout out, like an RIP to uh, one Louise Fletcher, who recently passed away, our our very own Kai Wynn, um, and very storied actor, Oscar winner, Nurse Ratchet in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She uh, she recently passed away, and that was kind of sad this year. But mm-hmm. so uh, RIP Louise Fletcher. Yes. Yeah. Definitely one of the most memorable characters. In Trek and certainly on Deep Space Nine. Oh, easily, easily, mm-hmm. yeah, wonderful, yeah, Phena- phenomenal performance, phenomenal almost too real. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, that. Uh, <clears throat> let me use a voice here. That concludes our Trek check. Nice. Thanks. All right. Want to move into today's uh, episode that we're discussing today? It's a single episode. It's a single episode. Yeah. Like like you said earlier, Nicole, we're going into some new Trek here. We're uh, we're digging into some strange new worlds, uh, and we'll be talking about uh, season one, episode six, which is titled "Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach." Very poetic title. Very long title. Like the old school TOS episode titles, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but the synopsis is as follows. A threat to an idyllic planet planet reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life to protect her and a scientific holy child from a conspiracy. Pike offers his help 
and is forced to face unresolved feelings of his past. Well, that's loaded. It's loaded. There's a lot there. And in a sense, there's a lot there, but it also doesn't really cover everything, too. You know, like, so essentially what it's trying to say is that there's there's some a battle that the Enterprise happens upon and they end up rescuing a ship, taking fire, uh, get involved in this drama. And they, and they realize the people who they saved, one of them was his lost, his like old ex-girlfriend that he had a fling with. And he essentially it's, it's thrusts the enterprise and the crew into this kind of conspiracy involving this child who's supposed to like help this society run. And we don't really know that what, what the end, what that means until the end, of course. And there's some twists and turns with who you think is, you know, the good guys, the bad guys, the the dad of the child is really cagey, but then we have more to his story later on. Um, so there's a lot going on. There's a lot to take in. But uh, do you have any initial thoughts about the episode? Well, um, it's a good episode um, to begin with. Um, I don't know. It was really, gosh, I don't know. I should have thought, thought of this a little bit more. Well, because I think knowing the short story that it's probably highly uh based off of um almost beat for beat is is very interesting i mean it's it's like a gut punch really i mean i mean i guess spoilers for i mean if you haven't watched the episode pause this and go watch it if you don't want to be spoiled but the ending is um quite the gut punch i mean i'd never really i wasn't familiar with like the original story and um i uh yeah, I, I didn't really see what was coming, even though, I mean, it's, it's a very classic Trek in that sense, I think, where sometimes like the initial conflict um, seems very relatively simplistic and there is sort of a mystery surrounding it. And then as you move through the episode and more uh, things come to light, the more it casts shadows and doubts on your initial, uh, the way you were initially thinking about things. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess you said like, who's the bad guys or whatever, but just, um, I mean, it, not even just that, you know, I guess whether you want to decide. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Pike clearly has a lot of conflicted feelings and it's really interesting. Um, we chose this episode because it's a Pike, um, Captain Pike kind of love story or kind of rekindling almost in a way. Um, but then there is this uh, other, I mean, the society, which she kind of helps run, I guess you could say. She seems to have a leadership position in it. Um, you know, it really changes is the backdrop of like him trying to rekindle with this old flame and then sort of like whether or not there's going to be a future for them. Uh, I think it's pretty clearly like wrapped up at the end of the episode, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just fascinating in that sense. Um, yeah. I think it's a really cool, uh, like I said, um, really makes me, reminds me of like classic um, original series Trek in a lot of that, those ways, but uh, updated and, I don't know, gives you a kind of a weird, whether you think it's morally gray or morally like black and white. But I think we can talk a little bit more about that when we get towards the end of the episode and sort of how it reflects on like our, our own society, I, I would say. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's well said. I, I think that, I mean, you're right. This is a, this is a very classic Star Trek story uh, with like, an, like it says, an idyllic society with something to hide. Um, and so interesting thing about Star Trek, though, is despite boasting like a utopia-esque society itself in what it presents of like our, our characters and Starfleet and the Federation, uh, I, there is a lot of stories, especially in the older shows of like one-off episodes showing us this like paradise has a price. You know, there's always like, oh, this this society looks beautiful and, and perfect, but there's something they're hiding, right? Mm-hmm. And so like you can actually draw a really direct through line from this episode to um the episode of tos in season three the cloud minders do you remember that one mm, yeah yeah so i th- yeah that's the one where they basically the one that's elysium the one where they mm-hmm. have the the city on the clouds but it's it's sort of like built upon like this caste system where the kid the kids the people on the bottom um are exposed to this gas and are thus like not able to think as as clearly um and so there's there's this element of like yeah your your society is like seemingly perfect but it's built on this foundation of like you know prejudice but in this case and let's let's just go into spoilers here now in this case like yeah this this society seems like perfect and beautiful and nice but it's built on this foundation of like this kid a child has to be sacrificed and i don't really know what the mechanics of it are but hooked up to some machine to make their planet work and then gets to has it just suffers until they die and mummify until they get a new one so it's horrifying um and it's just like deep dark secrets so it's it's uh 
It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting whether it's a deep, dark secret or not. I mean, I guess. I mean, it's it's a secret in the sense that they're not really they don't want to share it with outsiders. But once she shares it with Pike, she's like, "Oh, this is this is this is beautiful. This is what we need to do, though. You know, like yeah. we respect it. We you know we um we respect this person. We have high reverence for this person. But it's it's, it's just something. It's the it's the cost of how we live our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some thoughts on that that yeah. I'll come to, especially because like she, you know, she claims like you know, he chose this, he's, you know, he kind of, like he knew, like, I don't know, but it's sort of like, isn't he fated in that sense? And sort of, I don't know. I mean, like, it's like grooming a child yes. in a sense. And like, once he kind of actually realizes like what's about to happen to him, I mean, don't, I mean, I pretty much, doesn't he try to run away? I can't uh, really remember. He has obvious second thoughts. Yeah. yeah. When he sees the body of the previous child. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great, it's a great moment acting. Like, I mean, can a child involved. really consent to doing that? I don't, I would say no. I would, so yeah. no. <laughs> no, I would agree with you. I would agree with like, you. Oh, like you know he wants to do this yeah. it's what he was born for basically but what's interesting i think about an episode like this and um and what i think newer star trek does in general and, and and i think you can draw a line back to deep space nine doing this with the dominion war and stuff is the whole paradise is a price concept like that is now often turned on its head whereas previously in the original series and like gene ronberry's initial concept was like he used planets so we could see like our own problems from like an external perspective Mm -hmm. now it's trying to say like well what if we looked at the federation in that regard what's what is the federation doing to keep its utopia uh that could be considered problematic so like in this we see the character elora the pike's kind of long lost girlfriend say like well federation is built on this like starfleet's built on stuff like that like these we just we just accept what it is right and so this interesting trend of the newer shows to kind of turn that paradise as a price theme on its head and i think that this one kind of does it because it does bring some of those questions to light and even though but it and i'm going to get into this when we get into the love story part it shows like such a stark difference in like how pike and alora both really view um the concept of like suffering as part of progress and i and i think that's a really interesting thing to really think about yeah um anyway that being said you brought up the short story that this is based off could you speak more to that yep so the title it's a ursula k Le Guin short story called the ones who walk away from omelas i think that's how it's pronounced there's like a pronunciation at the end here and i think i tried to practice it numerous times was it omelas yeah that's o- omelet no it's not omelet <laughs> so i read it i think did i have you read it too you didn't read it did i was you? about to say i did you sent it to me and i haven't read it yet. I sent it to you and you didn't read it i mean i guess you know that's why i asked you to go go into this okay so anyway it's uh from 1973 and so it's a bit older and um at the time it won the hugo award for best short story in 1974 and it was nominated for a Locus Award for Best Short Fiction. So um, it's a pretty well-revered um, work of short fiction. Um, I mean, the plot is quite similar. There's not like a central character. Um, in fact, it kind of... You, you're looking at it from just like a third-party perspective. Um, and it, so Omelas is the um, utopia, essentially, where, I mean... Um, there's like no disease and everybody is well cared for and happy. It's harmonious. Um, basically everything you kind of see in this episode. Um, and, but then, yeah, they, they point out that like, it's like this, the suffering of like a single child, um, is somehow the mechanics aren't explained, you know, required in order for this utopia and this really great society to exist for everybody else. And um, as the title suggests, there are people who who walk away, you know, once they find out the truth, adults and or children. Um, it doesn't really say where they go. Um, that's kind of the the idea is like you don't really necessarily know where they go. And I don't know. I was re- reading the Wikipedia page for, for the short story. It sort of brings up interesting notions of like, I mean, are the people who walk away... <sighs> You know, if you walk away from something like that, from like, this, you know, this like suffering and tragedy, I mean, just because you're not taking part in it, you know, I mean, you're not really going into like solve the problem to begin with. So, you know, it's kind of like they're disgusted and horrified. And so they walk away and I don't know, it doesn't really, 
you know, it leaves a lot unsaid, lets you ponder, um, which I think this episode kind of does too. Although I think we benefit in this episode from the back and forth between Pike and Delora at the end. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting how it reflects on their relationship and um, it, especially because she, she says that the first time that they'd met and he's, I guess he supposedly rescued her the first time she was out researching, trying to find an alternative to, to their situation. But by the time that they've met up again now, it's very clear that she's all in on this. She's kind of like, I tried to find another way, but there's not another way. This is how it has to be. So anyway, um, actually another fun fact about that short story, uh, as far as in the reference section of the Wikipedia page or the cultural legacy, I guess you'd say. Um, apparently, Michelle Paradise and Alex Kurtzman cited this short story as inspiration for the plotline of Discovery's third season. Um, so Kurtzman notes that both creators were interested in the central dilemma being solely caused by a child. So it, this is a much more direct, um, like I said, beat by beat, like, almost replay of the short story. Um, whereas Discovery season three is the central figure toward, you know, you ultimately find out is like a child that was in dis- is in distress. But I guess in Discovery season three, it's kind of the opposite in that it kind of stopped, you know, the function of society as opposed to, um, right. Sustained it. Sustained it. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I was like thinking back because like, he had like you know whatever his whatever episode that caused the burn or whatever so yeah i don't know it's so, interesting to think of that progression of like that uh, that's i mean that season that arc to to an episode like this and even like kind of the notion of like a child causing this kind of can draw back to that tos episode with trillane mm-hmm. the like q like figure that mm-hmm. is just ultimately a child like at the end he's like mom i just want to play remember that yeah. Yeah, it's it's so it's interesting. It's a it's a very like Trex kind of kind of tale where they mm-hmm. like to kind of play around with those those uh that kind of a sandbox in a sense. Yes, um, very much. But yeah, no that's that's a, that's interesting to see that. And so in a sense then in, in this episode so Pike I don't and the think Enterprise think that there was like a credit to this like short no. story. I feel like there probably should have been like I said yeah, it was I don't know the very le- I don't know the legality of that. I thought like well, I, legal or not like Yeah. I I, I don't know um yeah, I don't know what they why that why there isn't a writing credit for for that or some sort of story credit, but um, I did find that the co- concept of like using like kind of classic sci-fi writing writing or writers as like an inspiration from storyline is kind of a fun uh, like a nod back to the original series in general, where they had you know like writers like Richard Matheson or um, who else? Who else am I thinking of? Harlan Ellison, like famous sci-fi writers at the time, like penning scripts. I'd like to hear. It'd be cool to like if Star Trek could pull in some of the big sci-fi writers right now to pen some scripts, it'd be kind of interesting to see that, like what that would look like. Strange New World seems like a good opportunity for that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it seems like in a sense, uh, Pike and the Enterprise are the ones who walk away, right? Yes. But they weren't really benefiting from the society in the first place. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that gets into the whole Prime Directive argument and whether or not they should insert themselves where it's not their business, I guess. Right, prime directive. Also, I mean, it kind of like I said, the reflection back on our own society. I mean, like it's not. I, I would certainly not say that we live in a utopia, but <clears throat> um, as she points out, she's like in the Federation. I mean, there's plenty of probably who knows how many thousands, millions of kids who probably live in terrible conditions and squalor, and and it's sort of like you you don't know their names, you don't know their conditions and like you just sort of accept you know return basically you don't you just you know that it exists but you kind of forget about it um you know at the forefront of of everything else and like the presentation of what the federation is um and i feel like we could argue that in our own world i mean you don't know whether or not we know child labor and like slave child labor like exists in the world and other places and honestly that's where like a lot of our goods are sometimes made like like, where are your goods coming from where did you purchase this where was it made and um, regardless of whether it's children someone is suffering usually further down the production line um you know the things that we that we use in our everyday lives and uh i don't know you know so it's kind of like don't we do we all just kind of accept that 
that's part of it. But like, you know, when it's constant, when it's so concentrated, like it is in this episode on a single child, um, that Pike actually witnesses this like beginning to happen to, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of, a, I don't want to say it's a moral gray area, but, um, it's sort of a hard truth. Yeah. It's, it's definitely brings up some interesting points. And I think that it, it really illustrates the difference between those two characters, right? The Alora and the Pike character. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, like Pike is seems to be somebody who's well aware that there is suffering in the Federation, and and of course she's well aware of the suffering on, of the child on her planet. And the difference, the stark difference between them, why they, I mean, I guess this is going into what I'm going to say for my our rating scale, but like why they come off as incompatible too is like she's ready, she's complacent, she's ready to accept that like this is how it has to work. We need that suffering in order to flourish. Whereas Pike is like, I know what happens, but I'm not willing to accept that that's how it, how it needs to be. And that's ultimately like roots back to the whole heart of Star Trek, right? Like how can we make everything better for everybody? Right? Sort of, but I'll take you one further. And then yeah. I, mean, I don't know, does he like leave? Does he leave this <clears throat> encounter and then immediately go like to work on that? No. So he is kind of like the ones who walk away from Omelis. That's what I said. Omelis, because, fine. You know, because... <laughs> Um, you know, he's like, I don't accept it, but I'm also not going to change it. Or I'm like, I'm not going to like work directly to change it. I don't know. But there's also the extra layer of like his future suffering and how he is learning to accept that. And that adds a very complex layer to all of this. So he does, he does make it put in a lot of work to try to save those kids. Yeah. So yeah, honestly, this whole episode is like a really interesting reflective piece on, on Pike as a character. Absolutely. So, um, I know we're, t- we're talking about all the heavy stuff, but I mean, there's there's kind of a lot of like, before we kind of get to the ending, I mean, um, just when they first meet up and well, she thinks he's still a lieutenant and then he kind of gets all like, blah, blah, like can't speak. He's like, I- I actually, I'm captain. Like, And um, him calling her, her calling him Chris um, is kind of, you know what else really does that so it's also it's just funny in that whole interaction to see uh um una number one just next to her just be kind of kind of giving him eyes like what? Raise, yeah. what is happening here yeah that was great <laughs> yeah that's pretty fun the uh like kind of b plot subplot of uhura training with lon was oh, pretty yeah. fun that's yeah. fun we're learning how to the security lessons and and it even does tie into uh tie into the main plot ultimately but i think that was like a fun kind of humorous bit for an episode that ultimately came out to be pretty heavy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, I would, I would say like kind of the whole time though, I mean, she, she's trying to ask a favor and trying to sort of exploit her relationship with Pike and omitting things to him, keeping him in the dark. Um, but then when it's convenient for her pulling the, you don't have jurisdiction over us card. Um, you know, although once it involves his ship, you know, he's like, uh like now I got to investigate or like you have involved me. So yeah, it's a bit interesting. Um, also like he witnesses her kill a guy. <laughs> like He was like willing to sort of do it for her, but then she's the one who ultimately like in like melee combat, like murders that dude. So the, <laughs> the guard. Um, and then like immediately after like the next scene is um, him, so- her inviting him to like, spend the night essentially <laughs> and i just wanted to note after their alleged or supposedly kind of cuts scene to them just like sitting in the bed after their romp <laughs> his hair is still like perfect so i don't know if that's a product of that planet and it's weird power but i just wanted to note that i'm guessing that's something that he just goes into before like doing the act he's like i'm i'm all in but we got to leave the hair alone <laughs> that's just part of the deal yeah, it was interesting watching this a second time and um, sort of seeing this all evolve. Because, like, the first time you don't really know what's going on and you're, like, you're very much, like, on her side, um, you know, and, and, and Pike because he, he wants to, you know, he kind of wants, like, things to maybe, like, work out again. And she even invites him to come back, I guess, when after his accident, she's like, our doctors could, nothing, our doctors can't handle kind of thing. And, um you know, and she still tries to like cling to that at the end. And uh, I would say he definitely like shuts that door, um, you know, in her face. But yeah, it's interesting to see that. And, 
now that we're definitely in in hard spoiler territory, it's interesting to see the the dad character, the dad of the child, who was the one who was all cagey and suspicious at first, like that sort of like we one we're led to suspect to being sort of the antagonist and like how he was the one trying to disrupt the whole process to begin with, trying to actually make change or like save his son. And so like, I think we see now like there's a justification for his like weirdness and how he's like, I don't trust you. You're on the side of like Alora. You're on the side of the, the status quo. So he's trying to like, he's basically trying to like throw a wrench and everything and, and, and then save the kids. So you can see like why he is so cagey. And so seeing that play out the second time, it was also interesting to see as well. Yeah. It's, Oh gosh. It's even more heartbreaking because you're kind of like, gosh, if like the crew, of the enterprise hadn't been so good at their jobs, like he, probably could have gotten away with it and saved mm-hmm. yeah saved the kid makes me wonder who the mother is is it a laura do you think i don't know if that necessarily like matters so. i mean i don't I, think I don't so i think she's just she's just like a leader at the planet right oh okay i don't know I I don't know, whatever they didn't explain the mechanics yeah that's right but i just thought some- it was interesting just because it was like the father i guess who was like i don't know usually i feel like that would have been like a role for a mother, but that they had the father play that role. Oh, yeah, that is really interesting. I like that. Yeah, just a, a, a side note. Kind of the protective father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I wanted to before we get into like the love story elements of it, I wanted to kind of talk about uh, just a shout out for like acting moments. Like we all talk about how much we love Anson Mount as Pike, but I do think the I moment. Mean, yeah, I mean <laughs> the moment. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. Never mind. Oh, okay. Sorry. The moment when we <laughs> wow the the moment when we see. Uh, <laughs> I lost me a little train of thought. Um, I'm back. When we get into uh, the actual chamber where the ascension is supposed to happen, and we get the realization of what's actually going on, the moment like Pike's, like kind of uh, just like wary suspicion turns into just like pure like horror, right? Like, and just at all costs, just trying to do whatever he can to stop it, just like flailing, punching, like I need to stop this. Like that moment just feels so palpable. And I'm just kind of impressed with with Anson Mount in that moment. Like he really like sold. That, that was the st- only moment you're impressed with Anson Mount. Uh, that's just mo- I think that's just one that stands out to me, honestly. And but I also wanted to give a shout out to the kid. So the kid, the actor who plays the kid is Ian Ho, and I thought he was phenomenal. It's just like kind precocious. of kind of precocious kid who has like who's just like smart, but he's also super sweet, mm-hmm. and uh, he just he sold it really well. And like the the moment of like second guessing too in that scene was just heartbreaking to see. Um, and I did have a fun fact. Actually, I, I just found this out in some research here that he is actually the twin brother of Emma Ho, who is the 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 girl who is in a, a later episode, um, the episode All Those Who Wander, the one that was kind of like the alien homage. Remember that one, like the horror one? Oh, the girl that they found that was still on the ship that was alive. Hmm. That was their twin wow. twin siblings. So I thought that was kind of a fun fact. So, yeah, wow. both of them were great. Yeah, Absolutely. Should we uh, move into the love story elements? I mean, it's interesting. I'm not, you know, how much more to say. Um, you know, we don't really know much about what it was like in the past for them. I mean, clearly they both kind of, you know, it seems like maybe it was a fling back in the past. Um, you know, but... Reminds me of Greece, right? The the summer love-in kind of thing where it's like, oh, this is just something we really look fondly back. And maybe now that we see it in hindsight, maybe it wasn't as perfect as it actually was. Well, at at first, though, like, they both were like, yeah, how can we, you know, although, I mean, like, at what point is, I mean, Pike's the captain of a starship and, you know, she's, I guess, whatever, some leader of this society planet. But um, so it wasn't going to work for a while i mean at least they couldn't be together for a while i mean i guess unless they wanted to do some sort of like long distance thing but her proposal really is like you know after he has, you know has his um his accident his injury and it's sort of like come back here we'll fix you up and then we could like be together mm-hmm. it's sort of it's like the promise of a future extension of the relationship and yeah i guess i don't know i don't know what he saw in her that was so special honestly <laughs> Yeah, same. And we, we know really his. Know. We also know his heart belongs to what Vina on Talos, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, Alora. Yeah, it was just never going to work. Yeah. Um, on uh, Deep Space Love here on our podcast, we have a patent and rating scale where we judge the romance in question uh, on five points, uh, and it goes from red alert to yellow alert 
to fascinating to fully functional to resistance is futile with, as I hope you guessed, red alert being the worst and resistance is futile being the hot, hot, hottest. Anyway, Nicole, where do you where would you place uh, Alora and Pike on our rating scale? How would you describe the romance to you? Did you did you like it? Did you not like it? Where would it fall for you? Probably a red alert. Okay, okay, go on. Even though I guess it sounds like it was based, it probably started off, you know, just like kind of some cute little mutual attraction of of sorts. Um, You know, I feel like her wanting to continue the relationship and she's sort of basing this like, I mean, regardless of the history, the part of the relationship that we see seems to be based only on like what Pike can do for her. So very selfish. And in, in involving that, she's not even honest with him. Like most of the time, Um, you know, she only like gives him breadcrumbs to work with as she sees fit, Um, you know, and he's kind of like puppy sick love at first. Um, And, you know, the more he starts to realize what's going on in her society. And then even like, especially afterwards, you know, it definitely, I mean, I think he feels like double gut punched, like first, even if he hadn't had like, you know, this relationship with her um, or these feelings towards her, like even if that hadn't happened, it would have been horrifying for him to come to this realization. But I think it's, you know, even doubly horrifying that, you know, and at some point she thought she was basic. It's like a weird, twisted, like, you know, I trust you with this like secret kind of thing, you know, because she thinks he's like on her side, which he he's. I want to say on her side, but like sees it from her perspective. Um, you know, and I don't know if like he, him explaining his like knowing his future, like made her think that he would be okay where she's like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, you know, you're going to suffer in the future. Um, but you are going to keep doing your duty anyway. Um, you know, so kind of like, I wonder if that conversation is what tipped her over the edge. And she was like, he, he understands. Um, and our bond is, you know, sufficient, you know, and she was willing to like, let him down into the chamber. Um, makes you wonder how many like people in their own society would actually be like, okay, if they had to, had to witness what happens there. Um, but yeah, I mean, based on, you know, selfishness and, and lies and, um, toxicity. Um, yeah, I think, uh, the red flags were definitely there. I feel like watching it a second time for the, the episode today. I think um, yeah. there's red flags popping up all over. So, what do you what do you think? I'm thinking red flags, red alert, huh? Yeah. Um. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I give it a yellow alert. Yellow alert. Yellow. And uh, I was really contemplating red alert, but I moved it up to the yellow alert category and here, and I'm probably going to take some lumps for it by you probably, I'm sure. Yeah. Because now you're just starting out like, Oh, we were on the same page, but yeah. I had better thoughts. No, I just had a different thoughts, <laughs> but, uh, I, okay. So I'm, um, let me start off by saying they're completely incompatible and, and I did not buy the chemistry at all. I did not, it didn't, it, I was not sold in their love story. I was not sold in their relationship. No offense to the actors. The actor actress who plays Alora is uh, Lindy Booth. I thought she was just fine. She was great in the role. I wasn't sold on them. I didn't love it. Well, you're probably not supposed to be. Yeah, we're not supposed to be. But I, I mean, I do think that maybe. I mean, there was attraction there. But there was. I do think that maybe that the idea would be hit harder if you're supposed to be sold on the relationship. But anyway, I they I think they have very very incompatible values in universe, which is why it's a it's a yellow alert. It just can't work. We learn that she is complacent in the suffering of the child for her society to run. Pike is somebody who is not. That just won't doesn't work. However, as you mentioned, she does do this thing where like I'm going to take you into the, my big my society's big secret because I trust you and I want to be open with you as a partner. And he already is pretty open with her as a partner. So I don't feel like while it is built on maybe lies to begin with, I think that she's like, I want to be completely open and honest with you if we're going to have a long lasting relationship. There's not this manipulative manipulation factor. There's like, this is who we are. She was manipulating him before though. She was manipulating before, but I think that she was, when she was like, I want to commit to this relationship. She's like, I want to get past that. And this is going to be the truth. And so I, that, that for me brought it just slightly above a red to a yellow because I feel like she wanted the relationship to be, be, built upon something honest and open if it were to continue. That being said, 
they're very incompatible and it was foolish for her to even think that he'd be okay with that so it's 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 definitely i don't know it's a hard yellow alert it verges on red alert territory um i also want to say another thing that really rubbed me the wrong way too is i don't love how like you said he was kind of like like what had the puppy dog love sort of thing for her like it kind of tongue tied in the yeah beginning. it also like impaired his judgment in a way that i didn't love to see for pike like there's mo- that moment where um we see like spock and uhura and lan telling this telling pike directly that they're oh. hiding something yeah and he's like well there's got to be something no there's got to be some yeah, logical there's got to be like, a reason and i did not love that because the pike that we've come to know is somebody who's like okay let's let's look at all the angles and I know that's the the writing in that is trying to illustrate that he does have feelings for her and how much he feels for her, but it, it's just a it's a scene that generally rubs me the wrong way. So anyway, all of that to say, I am I'm in the yellow alert category. Okay, yeah. agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. It's all I right. mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not. Yeah, uh, I guess maybe we kind of meet almost in the middle. Like kinda- I feel like it's like a light red alert. Yeah, we're kind of on the same you're like, page. It's for the like, most a, part. like a low grade, like yellow alert. Yeah. So, a light yeah. red alert, low, uh, hard yellow. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Weights of things are. Another interesting thing um, that, just a quick, this isn't really related to the relationship, but the name of the place, Majalis. Majalis, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Was that a nod to Majal Barrett? Must be. I mean, did, did you see that somewhere? Or that just no. I mean, it's just my brain thinking that. That's kind of a cool. Yeah, I like Although, that. I mean, I feel like there could be better places. Could name <laughs> that's character. true. Yeah. Majalin, Majalis. I mean, it's it's got her name right in there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just added is at the end. That's kind of fun. I like that. Didn't think about that. You didn't think about that? No, I didn't. Okay. I think that's that was an all you thing. Good for me. Yeah. Good for you. Do you have any final thoughts you want to add on to uh, love story? episode thoughts anything like that you know i mean it's not like he reflects back on this but uh i noticed the second time around that um i mean not only like his him talking about there must be a reasonable explanation for you know the misunderstanding about prospect seven but um when they do find the first servant pike's totally excited to give her the good news and she says directly it wouldn't have happened without you chris (laughs) like (laughs) i wonder if he ever reflects back on that like that's got to hit harder now, yeah. I don't know. It did for me. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I said, if the Enterprise was not... Sometimes, like, if they weren't so good at their job, they would, you know... I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder I'm, if maybe they should have just done some more investigating. I mean, I guess they ultimately didn't necessarily know, but... I don't know. Also, I mean, like, did they ever try not ascending a new first servant? <laughs> like, I don't know. Would the planet really, like crumble i have questions yeah i, don't know. I have questions so it's enough to make one sadly gaze out into the stars with their drink of choice he did do that at the end didn't he did. he? that's a yeah. that's kind of a, ca- a captain staple at this point <laughs> like well cap- the captain has to have an episode that doesn't end well and then feel sad or longing or contemplative and look out in the stars or some sort of nebula and hold their drink of choice which i'm assuming in this case is bourbon i don't know if it's bourbon for sure but it feels like bourbon i think he's a bourbon guy Probably. I yeah. agree. Yeah, we'll go with that. Janeway has her coffee, probably right. What does mm-hmm. Cisco have? Ractuccino, I'm guessing. I don't know. Picard's got the tea. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's Kirk's drink? I don't know. Also alcohol. Water? What? No. Kirk's not a water guy. No, he's not a water guy. I don't know what Kirk would drink. But he's had he's had those scenes. He usually has like a paper cup in the TOS episodes. Yeah, they're, they're, the technology was not as good then. Great scene. Great ending scene, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It sticks with you. Definitely does. I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the season. I think that uh, mm. it, there are others I like more. Um, but I think I mean, we talked about this before. It's a very strong season, a uh, very strong first oh, season yeah. track for sure. And, and this is definitely one of the uh, a good episode. Very good episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would say there's not like a ton of romance happening in strange new worlds yet um the exception of spock yes yeah, spock's kind of. at the center of a lot of that <laughs> spock's kind of love triangle yeah it's a very different vibe from the original series when it was you know usually kirk um you know yeah and we thought about looking a little bit at the at the spock relationship with um 
Gosh, why am I blanking her name? What's her name? Tepring. Tepring, yeah. The Spock-Tepring relationship and even Chapel in some sense. But yeah, no, it's definitely it does, a triangle at this point. It does point. feel like it's something that's going to be ongoing. And I kind of, I'd be, I think it'd be interesting to kind of wait it out and yeah, see how the series. Yeah, like part one, part two. It, we, we, could, we could, but. It would be interesting to see how the series takes us from from this point in the relationship to the where they are in a muck time, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, this was kind of one of the other ones that really, you know, was, well, I guess there's. I don't remember her name, who, I don't know, whenever Pike is back on Earth, who wakes up in his bed or whatever. Oh, yeah, from Winona Earp, that, that actress. Yeah, she, oh, we I don't, don't, I don't uh, know what her deal is. Yeah, yeah she, they just kind of wake up and then like have a conversation and then she leaves. She's going to be, so, well, she's we at the finale, in the finale too. Remember, she takes number one. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. So we're going to, I think she's going to be a bigger part of season two. We'll be interested to see that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah and Pike just can't catch a break. We still know his hearts with Vina. <laughs> so. Yeah. I love Strange New Worlds. Love it. Yeah. It was like a perfect season of Trek. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, looking forward to the next Lower Decks in the meantime. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, we don't have we don't have our next episode lined up. Um, we just missed releasing this in September, but it's early October. So maybe we'll get a chance to release a late October one. Yeah. So thanks for listening to our early Ooh, October Halloween episode. coming up. We should do, we should do Beverly's ghost candle. Oh, we got it at this point. Oh, yeah, man. Don't we? Ghost candle. Oh, yeah. Maybe now. Okay. Spoiler. All right. Look for the ghost candle episode coming soon. <laughs> ghost sex candle. The ghost sex Got to put candle. that in there too. Yeah. Oh man. We got to do it for Halloween. Okay. All right. So we'll try and re- get to that one in October. Um, so if you've been enjoying listening, uh, remember to subscribe and or rate five stars wherever you um, rate and listen to your podcast. Yeah, you should definitely do that. I think the only five star rating is me right now, which is embarrassing to me. <laughs> Not our podcast, but embarrassing to me personally. I hate seeing it every time I look at it. Yeah. So so make a new review so I don't have to deal with that again. Uh, that would be helpful. And also we'll read it on air next time if we if you leave us one. Oh boy, you'll read it on air. I will read it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, and remember, we're on Twitter at DSLovePod. Yeah, follow us there, please. And until next time, love long and prosper, everyone. Bye.